All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, gatherers of the internet and of audio, lovers of podcasts, um, uh, I'd like to welcome you to our uh, fifth episode of the Volts and Bolts podcast. Love Do you that. get it? Volts and Bolts? Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, we, didn't have, we didn't have a name for a while, but then we named it Volts and Bolts. Um, so we welcome you to this episode of the podcast, um, and it's such a special episode, such a special episode. We have a really special guest today, um, and uh, you may recognize him from many things. Wow. Or no things. Yeah, I mean, kind of so, more in the background on a lot of well, things. Well, but, but you, maybe if you're your, your neighbor or something, <laughs> yeah. they might recognize you from being your neighbor. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, man of many talents, uh, one with a very interesting background. I said a lot of better things about you before, but I can't remember all those things. So um, flattering still. What, yeah, what, give me throw, what, what was I saying about you? Um, give me some things. Talking about just in that first yeah, day? Yeah, the way I was bragging about you. Uh... Huh, you just had a very special guest. Very special guest. Yeah. Very special guest. Which is more flattering than I ever needed. I mean, so really, the it. things I was saying were super generic, <laughs> but they applied to you, you yeah. know? And so, honestly, like, Chandler, I don't really know you that well. Like, yep. That's the simple truth. And so, um, that's why you're on the podcast, because people keep saying, oh, Chandler's so cool, you got to have him on the podcast. Oh, and so, no pressure, but, you know, you really need to perform here. So, <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, you have a cool story. Um, you've recently joined kind of the sphere of hypercraft and our, our customers and things. And so uh, we're just going to talk about who you are, what you do, why you do it, um, why you've decided to join in in the craziness and what you look forward to. So yeah. um, without further ado, will you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us who of you course. are? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, that was more flattering of an introduction than I've heard in, in ever, <laughs> but um I'm kind of been more in the background of a lot of things, come from the family of Nitro Circus. Uh, so my name's Chandler Godfrey, and Chandler without a D. Yes, that's important. It's, it's something that I have yet to meet a Chandler without a D. Yeah. So the day I do will yeah. be special, yeah. but the day I don't is also special. Yeah. Like I said, like <laughs> you have a unique name. Like Hopefully it stays unique forever. Yeah, and so. well, there's another Chandler Godfrey at the bank I used to be with, and mm. if I didn't clarify that D, yep. they've transferred money into his account. Oh, really? Yeah. So I had to literally leave banks because it was that complicated. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, so I grew up in the world of action sports. Um, grew up watching, building, and performing in the action sports world. Um, I say a lot of in the background of things because I enjoy more of the operations of it versus other people in my family who very much enjoy being in front of the camera, mm -hmm. um, which is why I ended up where I'm at now, which is with uh, Sierra Cars. Okay. And... People should know about Sierra Cars at this point, but maybe they don't. So tell us just a real quick synopsis of what Sierra Car is. So Sierra Cars, from my experience, um, the best way to they actually explain what the company was is what I experienced and why I got involved. Was uh, So I come from a background, again, with the action sports. So I used to, I've raced a lot of dirt bikes all growing up. I've raced a lot of side-by-sides, power sports, um, done Baja three times on a bike. I've uh, raced some supercars. Well, not raced, but driven them in a race-like fashion out of a racetrack. And uh, I met Cole, who's mm -hmm. the founder of Sierra Cars. Cole and Dolphin. I've known him for a while, but he's kind of just always been that guy in and out, the guy you give high fives to because he's always doing something cooler than you. And then um, when we were out at Nitro Cross just a couple months ago, he actually let me drive the new Sierra Echo, which is, if you don't know, it's the Sierra car, which originally had the Hayabusa motor, which is now fully electric. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get it. I was kind of like, oh, it's electric. You can't 
go as far. You can't do as things. And then the second I drove it, the most visceral experience of my life. And that's not exaggerating. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things about electric that you just can't explain. The words don't really exist to explain it. And that's what that experience was like. To within two weeks, uh, I got a job. Dang. It was Sierra because I believed that much in the product. And wow. so this is the first time in my life where I've been able to have a creative focus and to take my creative experience through marketing and sales and branding and put it behind a, or in front of a product that actually has premier performance. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is just like Nitro S, right? Like we have this idea, let's go do this thing. And then we do it and we get all this great content. And then it doesn't really drive anywhere. It's just kind of like a good, entertaining thumbs up. Yeah. That was a good time. Yeah. Whereas now we get to do that, create an entertaining piece, and then get other people in that seat to experience it for themselves. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. So you've driven supercars, you've driven motorcycles in Baja, you've done all, sort, all sorts of exciting things. What, I know you're saying it's hard to define, but what was, what was the standout feeling or emotion or experience that you had from that first Sierra car? Because yeah. just so full, full disclosure, I have driven the, the old, the gas-powered okay. Sierras. I have not driven the new Echo yet. Oh, you haven't? No, I, I was letting other people go, and I thought, well, I'll go at the end, and then there was no chance. So I have not experienced it. I know what the old car was like. And everyone, literally everyone I've talked to, just cannot believe the the, imp- the improvement in performance on the electric. Well, so. when you're on that size of a chassis in that kind of package, for say, you can't. No combustional engine is going to be able to provide the performance aspect of an EV motor. Mm-hmm. It's just near impossible. And if it is, you're investing a lot of money to get it there, and then you have to have a lot of money to keep it there, mm-hmm. right? Through maintenance and that. Um, with EV, you know, it literally is all your time and investment goes into developing the technology. But once it's there, it's not, it's not really breaking as much, right? Yeah. It's just there. Yeah. You literally flip the switch and it goes. You plug it in and it charges. Yeah. Um, so to explain it, it honestly is a similar experience as like what Surons did in the dirt bike world. Mm-hmm. Whereas dirt bikes, they're very intimidating um, they feel like they're overly powerful, but they're not. It's just such a loud, raw bike, right? Like a 450 or something like that. And so a lot of people get intimidated that, by that, by having the clutch, the height of the bike, the, the bigger wheels, the engine. And so there's a big barrier to entry to wanting to go ride. Whereas when I got into like riding Surons and that and got my buddies on Surons, these are people that I've been trying my whole life to get them to ride and I've been oh. training them. And then we, gave, we got them on a Suron and overnight, you know, they're up ripping in the mountains with me, doing cool. big trails and having the time of their lives rather than suffering. Mm-hmm. So I see Sierra Cars as that same approach. We're trying to flip the barrier to entry on its head into like a performance aspect of a vehicle. Interesting. Because if you really want that kind of performance, you've got to buy a Porsche GT3 RS or like a McLaren P1 or, um, you know, some sort of car that's easily going to be over $100,000. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're being able to give that performance in a $40,000 package. Mm -hmm. And it's just phenomenal. And the maintenance cost is, you got 40, what is it? 35 to 40% less moving parts. Mm -hmm. So change tires and brakes and off to the race as you go. Yeah. And I've seen how Cole has to change tires. So it, (laughs) <laughs> that Sierra car eats those tires if you're not careful. Well, yeah, I think will. I think he does it for the smoky burnout show, but it's it's pretty awesome. Well, the biggest problem with electric uh, 
and it's something to keep in mind if you, as you're getting into that world is uh, your wheel speed. Because mm-hmm. like on a normal gas engine, right, you have your gears. Mm-hmm. So you only can get the wheels to as fast as the gears get allow it. So you're used to going all out and the wheel can only go as fast when you're like in the dirt drifting or something like that. With electric, there's no gears. Mm-hmm. So you can be pedal ground or pedal down and the wheels could be doing 100 miles an hour, but you're only doing 30 miles an hour in a drift, mm-hmm. right? So when it k- catches, it's very, you know, uh, yeah. hard to get used to your wheel speed. So you got to remember, like, you can't just go throttle down the whole uh-huh. time. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about those kinds of things. Yeah, so. just little things. Huh, interesting. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to get in the Echo for sure. Uh, I know it's been a hot commodity uh, <laughs> traveling all it over literally, the place. It's so. a bug. Yeah. And it will change your life. Yeah. And I, I don't say that lightly. I used to think that was silly and stupid. And it didn't make sense. And yeah. obviously I'm in sales, so it feels like I have to say that. But there's a reason I'm here. Um, I had a lot of, I actually had an opportunity to get back involved with Nitro. Um, more on like the uh, operational executive level of things. And then a couple other things during that time of driving the car and getting involved with Sierra. And I actually turned down all those opportunities because mm-hmm. I felt like this really was something. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. And that's why you're on the podcast is because you have a cool story like that and <laughs> you are committed and excited. And so for me, I've been with Hypercraft since the very beginning. And so I've seen it go from nothing to, you know, people like you coming on that are like, this is it. Like, this is amazing, you know? And obviously Sierra is it's not Hypercraft. It's its own right. entity and things like that. But I have, I have been just kind of slowly boiled to the point where it all feels so normal to me. And so when people can come and talk about how they've been blown away and excited and they see the light, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, like I, I guess so. You know, I've just yep. I've been in it for a little too long, I guess. So um, that's really cool. It's kind of the reason why you're doing this podcast, right? It's not, it's not to get on here and do a sales pitch of why this, why that, and yeah. hey, give us an hour of your time so we can sell you. It's because there's no way to explain it mm-hmm. without experiencing it. So this is our best attempt yeah. to explain it to you because yeah. when you're in this world, it makes sense, but when you're not, it's a it's a big uh, translation barrier. Yeah, like if I could thrill three hundred thousand dollars or three hundred thousand people a year through that car, uh, that would be unreal. Like that would be the best thing ever because I didn't think people would get it. Yeah, but like something like this where we're able to talk about it, that's why we're doing it because we get it. Yeah, right. We've had that bug. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, your perspective is really unique coming from action sports and participating in action sports and driving fast cars and fast motorcycles. So you mentioned that you ride Suron. Um, what was your first, was that your first foray into electric or where did your electric, Owning, yeah. Yeah. Where did your electric journey begin other than riding in a Tesla or something? Like I mean, that? like everybody it was actually very negative. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't agree with it. I still have this perspective of like EV in a entertainment aspect is difficult, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're going to put EV, so I grew up, my grandpa built the first drag strip in Utah. Yeah. So I grew up around top fuelers my whole life. What was that called again? Uh, Rocky Mountain Raceway? Yeah, it? Rocky yeah, Mountain yeah. Raceway. Yeah. Well, it used to be called Bonneville Raceway. Okay. And then turn into Rocky Mountain. So like if you're going to put an electric car, it will sound cool, but you're going to get over it after a while. And even it can, let's say it did like 2.5 second runs, you know, quarter miles or something like that, which is right now they're doing like three point something. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be wicked, but like, you're just not going to get that experience versus nitro flying in your face, right? And like it stopping your internals for three <laughs> seconds because it's so loud. That's why people go to top fuelers, uh, top fuel races. 
Um, same thing with NASCAR, same thing with Formula One. That's why Formula E is kind of struggling, right? It's because of the sound. Um, even that they went from like a 2012 all-out V12 engine to now in 2023, we have these hybrid cars. It's still even like you're missing something. But when you get down to the nuts and bolts of electric being all about just performance, that's when it made sense. That no combustional engine or nothing really hybrid or anything is going to ex- replace the power and performance that this vehicle can give and eventually at an affordable price that people can have because not only is your maintenance costs significantly less which i i'm a wrencher i love wrenching but i i get over fixing things yeah. i want to build yeah. i don't want to fix yeah um so that was also very intriguing um but yeah with the suron it was just the fact that i could open my garage door and go out and play mm-hmm. um i grew up in draper utah which right now looks like the Beverly Hills <laughs> of Utah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. But back in the day, it was farm country. We had a dirt bike track in my backyard. Um, we had a mega ramp in my backyard. We had a skate park. Like We had foam pits. Like It was just play. And I used to be able to go up Corner Canyon on my dirt bike, which now like you'd literally get put in prison if you mm-hmm. did that. and uh, Or got caught, I should say. People <laughs> still do it. But if you got caught... And so that world just kind of got shut out from me. And it's like, if I want to go ride, I got to, especially with kids now, I got to go all the way out two hours in the desert and it's a whole deal. And then I'm away from my kids and the wife's upset because you're not there helping and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like with EV, it's like, hey, I'm going to go play for 30 minutes mm-hmm. or an hour, but it's going to be right there and I'll be home. Or I can grab my little boy and I can throw him on with me and we can play and it's not intimidating because of the sound. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously when I got in the Sierra car, I was like, this is just that same experience is just a level up mm-hmm. and it's just in a car form. Yeah. One of the best parts about the Sierra car is when we, so we, we go, you know, sp, you know, take test drives out in the parking lot outside the office here and there's some homes around, Yeah, but nobody's bothered Nobody because knows. other than the tire squeal, which happens occasionally, yep. you're not hearing anything. No. no one's bothered. No one's irritated. You're not, you know, being a bad neighbor to the people around you. So that's something that's been pretty cool where you can have, you know, Hellcat level levels of power, but you know you, your kids can still sleep through through the car starting up. And hundred percent. So well, also too, I think that I can put a beginner in the car, push a button, it tunes down, like that's it. Mm-hmm. They get comfortable. Then I can put them on an intermediate map, and then I can throw them on an advanced map. It'll be the safest progression ever. You can't do that with a gas engine. Well, you can, but it's gonna be like so absurd of time that's not worth it. Yeah. Um. To where, like, now I'm these, this barrier entry of people just getting comfortable with the car. And it almost would be cool to gamify it, too, to where, like, you're doing track times and there's, like, an AI piece in the car where, like, if you're hitting corners at a certain pace or speed, like, it's unlocking more power as you go. Mm-hmm. So it's like Mario Kart. Like, you get more power, right? I mean, you why, could do that. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Everything's connected. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be, you know, literally, like you said, gamification where... Like if you can hit the right lap time, then it unlocks the next level and you mm-hmm. can go faster and faster and you get a little more power and break a little later. And yep. so it'd be kind of cool. I mean, yeah. You heard it here first, guys. This is a million a dollar thought. idea. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a $2 million idea. Yeah, hopefully. This could be pretty big. Hopefully. Um, okay. So you're at Sierra Car now. You turn down the opportunity to work with Nitro Circus, which everyone knows is super cool and super fun uh, because you felt like Sierra had something special to offer. Um, you're in the thick of it now hmm. and you're, you're busy. So you see the potential still. Um, so what do you, what does the future look like for 
for, yeah. for, for, not for you, but also for Sierra. Now that you're here, like, what are you seeing? Like, what are you, what are the goals that you have for the company? What are you hoping to achieve, you know, individually, but then also for the company, you know, as Sierra? Yeah, I mean, I think what really hooked me is I realized pretty quick that it's not just a vehicle in, in a product market fit. It's a whole nother culture. Um, what I've experienced in this world of motorsports, if you will, is there's this big gap between your power sports enthusiasts and like your automotive people, like your automotive people, you almost want to get the name of like Tony, like they're <laughs> kind of like a little bit more upright, like they're a little bit more fancier. They're a little bit more like they have their schedule and their class to things. Um, that's why they're affording $250,000 cars. And then your, um, power sports people, you want to almost give them the name of Bubba. You know, the, the contractor uh, doing construction during the weekend or during the week, but on the weekend, he's out ripping it in the desert, the weekend warrior, right, with his kids. Mm -hmm. There's such a disconnect between these two people, but they both want the same thing. And if the automotive person wants to be in the power sports world, it feels dirty, it feels grungy, kind of like, you know, skateboarding was back in the day. And if the power sports person wants to get into automotive, it's too expensive. There's so much barrier to entry. Whereas Sierra Cars, I really believe it will become the median to that. It's a, it's a Swiss Army knife of a car that's not supposed to go do King of the Hammers in Baja, but it can still do rally and jump in the dunes of what the power sports people want. But it also can do Pikes Peak and F1 tracks that what the auto enthusiasts want. So it's kind of this whole new breed. And that's what made me excited is like, there's really no competition Mm -hmm. because nobody's doing this because it is a whole new culture. And that's what I signed up for. Selling a car is cool and all and great. I want to give people that experience. I, I came up with this tagline in my life um, called Discover Courage. Um, because in Nitro Circus and doing what I did, I always felt like it was, I got to experience that because of opportunity. And I believed a lot of people would do the same thing that I got to do had been given the opportunity. And so I started a business called Godfrey Proof, and my tagline was Discover Courage because I really wanted to make what I experienced in life accessible to the world. And so I did that through building custom side-by-sides. We did giveaways. We did all these activations with experiences and lessons, and you know, we would go hide or treasures in the desert, try to get people out of the door to go explore. And, um, Sierra Cars, to me, fulfills that in a way better approach because... You're getting a lot more performance with an actual superior product at a way friendlier price point. And all we're going to do is just get the price cheaper as we get, you know, the economy of scale of things, as we mm -hmm. get bigger and better, we can make the car more affordable um, to where then we can give people this opportunity to really push their limitations. And because truthfully, when you live in that world of discomfort, there's some of my biggest life lessons came from being in that life, in that world. And this sounds cliche to say, but this is truly how I look at it. Um, there's been so many times growing up, I've been stranded out in the desert at two in the morning with my dad. We're out of gas on our dirt bikes <laughs> and there's a storm rolling in. I mean, I could tell you stories on stories on stories. Um, in Baja, you know, I got stranded at three in the morning and found a little Mexican family with a fire pit that gave me food and, and figured out a way to get my bike back into town, which was like, you know, 30 miles away, right? It's just, those are the experiences I got to have growing up. And who's going to get that opportunity, right? It's not like we want to get stranded, but who's going to 
have the opportunity to get out of their comfort zone. Whereas Sierra is giving that opportunity through a product that's unknown, um, but going to become more and more accessible to the world as we grow. If that dang, makes sense. Dang, man. Like, that's deep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really why I'm here. Uh, I, that's amazing. It's not, it's not to drive sales. It's not to convince people why there's a product that they don't need. Um, it's part of that. It's really just building a culture that doesn't exist yet. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. I mean, the, the, the consistent theme I'm hearing from you is, is sharing. You're, you, you trying to get people out, get out of their comfort zone, get out of their house and in the outdoors and experiencing something new, doing stuff with your family, getting people to do stuff with their family and their kids. So, I mean, I, I, that's, the, that's the theme I'm hearing. Is there a reason why you have a passion for those shared experiences and um, discovering courage, right? Yeah. It, where, where, did, like, where does that like, passion for sharing this experience or those kinds of experiences come from? I think for me, it was like, we look for joy in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it's all about who you're with and what you're doing with them. And there's so many, there's so much market. If you drive down the street, I just had this thought the other day. If you drive down the street in a city, just kind of like blatantly look at everything and pay attention to how many things are calling for your attention. Mm -hmm. Right? We live in a world of so much noise, of so much miscommunication, of so much just chatter um, that it's like this, this drive to happiness, to experience, to discovering your best self, to um, gaining real memories. The only thing we're going to die with is our memories, right? If you want to get that deep. It, it's who we are with and the memories we're going to die with with them. And yes, you can create product that makes cells like an air freshener, right? But that is of zero interest to me. Mm -hmm. But you can create product that provides experiences with the right people in your life. That's where I get excited. And growing up, to answer your question... That's all I got to do. Mm -hmm. um, my dad is a massive believer in helping people overcome fear. I mean, that's why he started Nitro Circus. Uh, he'd tell me all the time is about helping children and, and, and adults even overcome fear. Um, through that process, I feel like he accidentally stumbled on. It wasn't just about fear, but it was about these memories and, and development that came from those overcoming fear moments. Like that, truthfully, all of who I am today is attributed to those moments. That's amazing. If that makes sense. Like yeah. it's really like as simple as, okay, we are, um, we, let's, so we did this big rally in, and with KTM motorcycles through the Sahara Desert. It was a Dakar, Dakar, that's what they call it, Dakar rally preparation. Um, so we got on these KTM 300s or 350s, and we did about, I want to say, 1,500 miles through the Sahara Desert over the course of a week. And, you know, when you're going out and you're following maps and you're following these compasses and that, at the end of the day, when you break down, you're not getting home unless you figure it out unless you come together as a team, unless you like really think outside the box. And uh, there were some scary moments, you know, like where we would break down and we were, it felt like there was like this kind of mafia coming after us in, the, in Africa and there was this whole experience. And Jeez. we really had to like 
come together and figure this out. And, um, you know, when you're 16 years old, you know, what other experience gets to teach you at 16 how to just man up Mm -hmm. and step up to the plate and stop complaining because it's freezing cold. Mm -hmm. Um, Stop complaining because you're tired and the bike keeps falling on top of you. And stop complaining because at the end of the day, what's it going to do for you? Like, you got to get home. And so there's a lot of experiences like that that made me who I am, and I just want to give that opportunity to other people. That's awesome. It's cool. It was a really long way of saying it, but... That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I'm seeing it almost as like a timestamp in history of like, we grow this, and I get to look back on this and think about what we thought it was going to be. This, this podcast interview did not go the way that I was expecting. I was expecting, oh, really? I was expecting to have you come on, <laughs> tell us about all the cool stuff you did with Nitro Circus, and you know why you're cool and why you're awesome, <laughs> which you are. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's like that's you know, you you're, you are somehow not you know worthy of those things because you've done a lot of cool stuff in your life. And so my, in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna hear about all these cool things, but this is taking a different direction, which I actually really enjoy, which is getting to know you and what made Chandler Chandler. And I think that's actually really really interesting. And I, I, I like I said, I don't know you that well. We spent a little bit of time together at SEMA. Um, and so it's really cool to hear your why, why you joined, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to make a buck and just trying to sell something. And, you know, like you said, there's a billion things, you know, fighting for our attention right now. And your purpose of being involved in this commercial enterprise is to help tune out the distractions to some extent and give people something that can create core memories. A very raw experience in life. Yeah. Um, and electric, honestly, to me, feels like that friendlier barrier to entry to that. But there's something you said that I think is very fascinating to talk about is that I don't think enough people that are my age, so I'm 27, and, um, you know, if you were to ask me three months ago what I wanted to do, it would have been a completely different answer. And if you wanted to ask me three months before that, it would be a completely another answer. And then, you know, keep going down that line. I think there's this big false communication in the world right now of, hey, you're 21 years old. You're just about to graduate college or whatever you're doing at that age. And you need to figure out what you're doing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I, I have no idea. Like, I have the world ahead of me. And it's almost like, this is going to sound really weird to say, but it's almost like there's too much opportunity. So when somebody tells me they want to be entrepreneurial or they want to, do something with life and they can't find the opportunity. I, I get so frustrated with that. Do you know how easy it is to make money if you really <laughs> wanted to? No, I'm being serious. No, no, yeah, if yeah. you wanted to be a yeah. millionaire yeah. and you had the grit, right? Your work ethic's not on the table. You have the work ethic. There's so many ideas out there to be, be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at AI. Look at the opportunities coming out with AI. I mean, if I really want to be a millionaire, I know right now this second, I could go lock myself in a basement with a computer and develop some code with chat GPT that's going to be revolutionary to AI, mm-hmm. right? There's a, millions of those ideas. The problem though is we're not focusing enough of what makes people tick. We're so worried about the money mm-hmm. and about where they want to be. And to me, if you do what you love and find that quick, 
then everything else comes follow. It's, it all follows suit because if you're passionate about it, well, you're going to do everything you can in the world to be the best at it because it's passion. And uh, so when you go back to like Sierra and the why to all of this, I, you know, when I, I went on an LDS mission and came home and I went straight into college and changed my major five times <laughs> within two years. Into two years. <laughs> oh, I went from paramedic to digital marketing to business and finance to engineering. And I just was like, school's not for me because none of those credits transferred. Uh -huh. I just wasted however many thousands of dollars. <laughs> I was like, school's not for me. Like, I, I'm going to figure this out, something else. So I left and started a business, and that was Godfrey Proof. And I just went after it. Um, I made so many mistakes. Yeah. But that was the thing is the passion was there, right? I had this idea of Discover Courage. I didn't understand it. I don't even know. Still to this day, I actually hate the term Godfrey proof. I think it sounds self-conceited. But I knew there was something there, and I just was trying to unveil it over four years of developing this business, and I still didn't figure it out. And I put myself into debt of about $160,000 in debt that I had to take care of. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go and complain to mom or dad and my parents went through a gnarly divorce like I was alone with this debt and just had to figure this out and um it sucked because it's like it, it wasn't about the hard work or anything it's just like I could not find my passion I could not and like this world of Nitro Circus I I never felt like I belonged there because I felt like it was an opportunity I didn't feel like it was given mm. I never felt any entitlement to it I felt like if I was going to step foot into that world I needed to earn it um, whereas there was others in my family that didn't believe that they thought the opposite. And I struggled with that because I was like, I'm on tour at 16 to 18 years old, traveling the world, getting paid, let's just call it base of $1,500 a night as a kid to travel. Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? Who gets that opportunity? People go their whole lives without opportunity. And yet I'm going to sit here and pretend to call myself a professional athlete. Like I earned this. I did nothing to earn that. I just was given the opportunity. And so stepping forward now into like college and, and, and when I got married and looking at my career, I was just like, okay, so what do I have in front of me? I have, you know, my dad lost Nitro through bad partners. Um, and I never, I, again, I didn't want to like step into a world of entitlement. And then I was like, I have this passion for building. I love to build and create. One of my life goals is to invent something. And then I have, I love family. I love this idea of adventure. I love this idea of like just passion and intertwined. And so that's kind of where I came up with that thing, discover courage. And then um, I, th I loved helping people. So that's where I thought I was going to be a paramedic for a while. And I went to EMT school and graduated and did all that. And then I realized that this is the biggest, weirdest world <laughs> that I don't want to be a part of. Because it's such type A personalities that are so negative towards each other. Um, and so fast forward, I'm going to skip a bunch of stages. Maybe for another time we can revisit them. Um, you know, trying to get out of debt, I started a mobile detailing business just because it was the least capital intensive cash flow thing I could think of and then sold that. And then I went and worked for a commercial development guy so I could learn the corporate side of things, right? He had like 300 employees and I sat right underneath the founder and the CEO and just got to observe this world of corporatism. That's a word. <laughs> um, and then I got to this crossroad of like, all right, what do I do? Like now I'm back to like, what do I want to do with my whole life? And I remembered a conversation that I had with the, I guess you could call him the COO of Red Bull. And uh, 
I can't remember his name, but he said, he was talking about his journey of how he got to one of the, my opinion, one of the coolest position, job positions in the world. Sure. You're creating content for Red Bull. It wasn't operations, it was like chief, oh, CCL, sorry, chief content officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just told me how it was just all about just trying. Like he went and he was his guide in Alaska. And then he learned how to film with a camera. And then he learned how to be a paramedic. And then because of those three skills, Red Bull was interested in him because he could be on the Art of Flight film. And then he just, it was just opportunity, right? And you're just aware of it. And so getting to experience the Sierra Echo and that, I looked at that as like, I just experienced something and I think there's opportunity here. And so I actually saw on my Instagram the next day that there was a GM position at Sierra Cars. And I was like, I'm underqualified for that, but let's give it a shot. So I applied. And uh, when I sat down with Darren, who's the CEO of RevRoad, um, that manages a lot of these corporate companies or these uh, portfolio companies, uh, it was very quick that GM wasn't my bread and butter. But he was like, you have a lot of opportunity. And so he introduced me to Jake, who's the CEO of Hypercraft. And me and Jake, like, hashed it out for six hours. Dang. Just, like, it was just, like, natural, right? Like, it just made, the conversation just made so much sense. And uh, that, to me, is, like, just a raw blessing, mm-hmm. right? It's one of those stories that, if it works out, you look back on and just say, yeah, I didn't really do anything to get here. I just recognized an opportunity and took it. And so I guess that's why there's so much passion behind what I'm doing because I really feel like now I'm at a stage where I can look ahead and I can see my passion connecting to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And like everything I believe in in life and family and, and, and adventure is like it can all be umbrellaed with this product mm-hmm. that we get to sell. And so that to me is like just luck. It is not luck, I should say. It's just it's the biggest blessing ever. Yeah. I think you're wiser well beyond your 27 years. So <laughs> I, I think you you got a good perspective of the way things are going. But I also think that you have a little bit of imposter syndrome because I think you have earned a lot of what you have. You know what I mean? You, you know, some things do get handed to you, you know, and we can't, we have to be, you know, grateful for those privileges and things like that. But at a certain point, we're on our own, you know? Yeah. You, you chose to walk away from college. You chose to do this. You chose to do that. And those things all culminated in something, just like the CCO at, at Red Bull. You know, he chose to do this and he chose to do that. You never know what formula of choices in your life is going to lead you to where you want to be um, until you're there. And then you're like, oh, that's why I did that, you know? Well, you're, so. you're, you're saying it so right. I see you're better with words than I am. And, and that's one thing, if I could talk to, like, my 21-year-old self, and especially if I'm, when I'm 40, I wish I could talk to my 27-year-old self because I say it, but I still don't believe it is just trust time Yeah, is like this whole figure out what you're doing for the rest of your life. Like it's such a lie. Mm-hmm. Cause nobody knows. I mean, I know I'm going to be 45 and be like, what do I want to do with my life? You know, it's <laughs> like nobody knows. And it's, it's really like, who cares? Yeah. Just grab on and, and, and be along for the ride and figure it out as you go. Like, I mean, nobody, I think it's I think it's very rare and lucky if you get to graduate college knowing exactly what you want to do and you graduate doing exactly what you want to do and you love it. Yeah. Not just because you have to do it, but you love it. Or you thought you loved it and so you went all in and then you get started on your career and you think, oh, this is not quite what I wanted it to be. There's a lot of those stories out and there. And now I have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt for medical school or law school. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's tough. 
Yeah, it's. I think it's a big thing that people don't talk enough about. Like we, you listen to these podcasts of how I built this, and um, you know, Diary of a CEO, and you hear these stories of these, you know, Fortune forty or whatever you want to call them, like just these big, big names, and they skip this stage. They talk about the struggle stage, but they skip like the the first what I call it, the first fifty thousand. Like if you want to be entrepreneurial and you want to start a business. Nobody talks about how hard it is to get your first twenty to fifty thousand dollars, right? Because once you have money, you can make money with money if you're smart enough. Mm-hmm. You can definitely make mistakes with money. But like, if you're just like going from a nine to five or college and and school and spending money, like how in the world are you supposed to get to fifty thousand dollars to invest in an idea? How are you supposed to convince somebody to give you fifty thousand dollars? And like that is. That is so difficult. Or be a part of a company that's in its first $50,000 stage, so you're early enough to where by the time it's grown, you actually have real opportunity there rather than just a puzzle in the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like There's this little blip of time that is so important that we just don't talk about. And we attribute it to like the younger generations misinformed and, and, and they have ADD and all these things, but like the accessibility to like AI, the internet, YouTube, um, all these things, like I think that gap or that misunderstanding of that age group is going to become way more understood because information is becoming way more accessible to people yeah. that it wasn't normally. I think the, um, I think the, the tools for their success could also be the tools for their demise. You know what I yeah, mean? Where it's yeah. like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And depending on how you use it, you can either change the world or you can, you know, just live in your, your parents' basement for the rest of your life playing, you know, Xbox Live or something like that. So yeah. it's, it, it's tricky, but uh, it, it's exciting, you know, because you're, you're right. Like, if you want to make a million dollars, you can do it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I... Used to always want to slap my dad in the face because he would always say stuff like, "Well, I guess you just didn't want it bad enough," you know. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I want a helicopter by the time I turn 21." You know, he's like, "Well, you know, I guess you just didn't want it bad enough." And now that I'm, you know, a little older and have a little more perspective, I think, yeah, I, I didn't want it bad enough. You know, as much as I want to have these, that's things, okay though. Yeah, it's no, like, what's that want? Is that want because of your peers? It, it's, or is that want because you genuinely in your heart wanted that? Because yeah, well, that's that's the thing is like I realized that. I didn't really want that. You know yeah. what I mean? I wanted to spend my free time doing other things rather than working and grinding and burning the candle from both ends. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go play Magic the Gathering with my friends yeah. and I'm going to play Call of Duty till three o'clock in the morning because that's what I want to do with my life, you know? So. And that's what I think we got to tap into more is like because of social media and you see all these influencers and people making careers doing what they love. I mean, we were just talking about this before. Is like they don't understand how much work goes into the doing what they love, right? Um, ah, you're you're stepping into such a interesting world of conversation because it's almost just there's really no answer, and that's where I talk about time. Is you just got to trust the process because if you're gonna ask a 23 year old, 24 year old, 27 year old what they want, they don't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, and this is just being vulnerable. I'm a vulnerable person. I really don't care to the right people. I would be in tears because I could not find what I was passionate about Mm -hmm. or what I love. I just would just constantly just be like, 
please, 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 God, just help me figure out where I need to put my efforts. I have no problem working hard. I have no problem grinding. And I just, I could not figure out where to run. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I had all this power and energy and I just was like, I couldn't figure out the direction. And, and, and I would, what would happen is a door would open and I would just sprint down it. Right. And I, and I would blow relationships or I would blow opportunity because I was so like enthusiastic and eager versus just trusting time and just slowing down and just being patient and just like, just like, Oh, there's so much time ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to where I'm at and you're like, crap, I should have bought a house. 20 years ago. You know? <laughs> well, how old are you? I'm 40. See, here's the crazy thing. You're not even halfway through your life. No. And that's what I keep telling myself. You know, every time I get up, my back hurts, you know, or I'm like, you know, I find a new ear hair, you know, growing on my yeah. ear or something. I'm like, man, I'm so old. And then I think, no, I literally have twice of twice my life left to do what I want to do, you know? And, and uh, what, what I want to do now isn't necessarily gonna, what I'm going to be wanting to do later. You know, so how do I do what I want to do and let that evolve over time? So yeah, and, and and when you're talking about time too, it's like okay, there's a stage of each, there's a there's a there's something in each stage of your life that you're never gonna get back. Mm-hmm. So like those college years, right? People think, oh, I gotta live it up and party and just get wasted. And it's like okay, yeah, if you want to do that, great. Just do what you can't do. Just do what you can't do when you're older, mm-hmm. right? And so like for me, it's like this young kid stage. Like this, spending time with my kids mm-hmm. and helping them ride a bike and all these things. Like I know I'll never get that back. So that's where my time matters most. And with that, then comes all right. What am I sacrificing for that time? Mm-hmm. Right? Because there's always a sacrifice. There's always you're gonna give something for something else. And so then that's where you look inside and you go, okay, what does matter most to me? What do I care about? Like, you know, working at commercial. Like when I was a, in general contracting or in, in commercial development, like that time was the most least important thing to me. Like I mm-hmm. did not care at all to put time and energy into that. But now it's like I got the Sierra Cars opportunity, and it's like I love being with my kids, but I really actually am passionate about this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good gauge of knowing if you're on the right track. Yeah. Right? Is where do you want to spend your time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a great job before I came to Hypercraft that was. Great. I worked with great people. I got paid really well, great benefits. Um, but it just, I didn't have a passion for it. Yeah. And so when the opportunity to come work at Hypercraft, you know, cropped up and it, it, it was like, wait, I can come do car stuff yeah. and eventually I'll get paid for it, you know, cause we were a startup at that point. But it was like, yeah, I think I'd rather go into the unknown with the opportunity to do what I actually could really be passionate about for the first time in my life. Um, and yeah, I've missed, you know, cause the SEMA show, I've missed the last three Halloweens in a row of my kids, you know, and that sucks big time. Um, but the thing I keep reminding myself is the reason I do this with to do what I, I'm passionate about is for them. So that at some point, you know, I'll have more time with them or, yeah. um, they can discover what they're passionate about. I don't want them to just, you know, go to have a corporate job and just go nine to five and, just because that's what you do. No, you can go do what you want to do. And it's not always easy and it's it's scary. And you got to discover the... Discover courage. Courage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I couldn't remember the, the word. Good. So they got to discover their courage, you know. And, and being part of Hypercraft is we've grown from, I mean, two employees to like 80 employees. I mean, we've discovered a lot of courage along the way, you know. 
So it's, it's, it's been really exciting. And so I love that you're here for passion also, you know, and that's not something that I really expected or knew. Maybe everyone else knew that, but I didn't know that. And so okay. I think that's really, really cool because those are the kinds of people that you want in positions that can affect change, you know, where it's not, obviously it has to be about the bottom line. We have to run a business, but when you have that lens of passion and caring about other people and experiences and creating, you know, real change that, you know, is beneficial to people, that's huge. That's where you go from being successful to being massively successful. Right. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm really grateful for you being part of Sierra because that is something that's going to be, you know, a North Star personality for all that you do uh, to help guide, you know, all the aspects of the company that you touch, which are a lot because that's still a small company at this point. So that's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate I, I'm, it. I'm stoked on that. So I, I had made up generalized things to say about you that were positive at the beginning. <laughs> I got a lot of great things to say about you now. So I think that's super cool. Um, you're young, you're smart, you're passionate, you've learned a lot about yourself um, and... And you know, you love your family, but you also want to do cool things and and do hard things, and that's why you're here. So, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the hardest things to follow suit in like my dad's footsteps is that he gave me endless amounts of opportunity, not money. Mm -hmm. we, we were, you know, poor starting out, and then even throughout all of Nitro, like people think that we live this world of money, but it was the difference of my dad didn't really care to buy a new car. He'd rather put that money into building a foam pit for us. Mm -hmm. Right. It was, we were just as average as anybody else. It's just our efforts were different. Yeah. Um, you know, he would intentionally rent a machine from, um, Wheeler cat every year just so we could build dirt jumps. You know, that's the kind of dad I have. So it's like, for me, it's just about the biggest footsteps to fill or just like giving that same opportunity to my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, that's really what this is selfishly all about is just, I wanted to race so bad. I wanted to be able to drive. I wanted to be able to do all these more things, but I got a lot of opportunity I'm grateful for otherwise. And so if I can just keep those doors open for my kids. That's awesome. But the other thing to your point earlier is that I think I, I think I, I throw a lot of people off because I grew up in a world that's so... Um, confident and, and outward spoken because you kind of need to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't say need to be, but just they naturally are. And I really enjoyed more the operations being behind the scenes. I liked building like, you know, my cousins would be the first ones out double flipping a jump and I would sit there and look at, okay, how's the jump built? Mm -hmm. You know, is that angle good enough? Like, and then I'd watch them and I'd observe it and then it'd be like, oh, I think I could do it. Then I would do it and I think that approach um, is what immediately separated me from my family um, to where then I feel like I was able to not just take on this. I like, I like to hope I'm not an arrogant person because it really in the end just doesn't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. And nothing was, uh, nothing to me feels uh, given or entitled. It just feels like it's all earned if you are wise enough. And so, because you can lose it all in, in a day. I mean, I watched my dad build a $100 million-plus um, entertainment company and lose it in two weeks. Dang. So to me, it's like, okay, if you look at it that way, what memories did he get along the way? Mm -hmm. 
memories that still change and, and greatly affected my life into who I am today and who he is as a grandfather. Mm-hmm. All right. Versus like, Hey, we made all this money. Now what? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great perspective. I mean, I'm still working on having a good perspective like that. So you, you're, you're ahead of the game. So that's good. <laughs> well, thank so, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, this is not the, the conversation that I anticipated. So, um, well, I have a, my wife makes fun of She's like, you have, a, you have an intention of always being a little too serious. I, I like, love it. I'm not good. Like, if you put me in, like, a public scenario of, like, we're going to hang out and party and be that hype guy, like, I shut down. Yeah. I don't do good in those settings, yeah. which is funny because that's, like, half the world I grew up in. Yeah. I'm, like, the one-on-one, like, the personable, like, let's work through this. Let's talk about this. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, a lot of people don't know that because I'm always around that loud Mm-hmm. public settings so yeah i think that's awesome i mean i mean so this podcast is obviously for hypercraft but for my sake the thing that i've loved most about doing this is getting to know people right you know where yeah. i'll interview someone and i'm just like what seriously that's amazing yeah. you you did what or everyone's got a story you think what like it's i mean we i've you know alana carter was a race car driver you know female race car driver coming from Canada, her story of, you know, her dad enabling her to race and things like that. And, uh, you know, Jay on, on our team that, you know, he was like a captain of ships in the Caribbean and things like that. Like wild, just like these crazy stories. And it's not just the stories it's the people behind the stories, you know? And so that's one thing people always ask, like, well, what 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 do I have to do? Or what, what's the requirements for being on the podcast? It's just like, do you have a soul? Are you interesting? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, are yeah, real? We, ultimately we want to talk about EV, you know, and so when we did, but at the same time, it's just like Chandler works with us in this company that does EV stuff and this is his interesting story. Jay works with us and this is his interesting story, you know, and so, okay, you know, we'll have people come on that are going to be, you know, more tech, inf- you know, specific and more, you know. Yeah, but you always got to have a passion to why you do something. Yeah. And well, it's crazy that's different for every 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 person, mm-hmm. you know, like. Jay coming from Marine, you know, getting a passion for EV that way. You coming from Power Sports, coming that way. Um, Alana, who's literally just a straight-up race car driver, that then got signed on to race an electric race car, and she was just like, this is amazing, you know? So her her experience was, you know, very fresh, very new. And you're you know? watching their stories unfold because yeah. there is this transition from combustion to EV, mm-hmm. and you're literally getting that story right in the moment of watching these people transition. I mean, I just had a conversation with Travis Pastrana like uh, three days ago where we were talking about EV and he's just like, oh, he's like Sierra cars and what you guys are doing is far ahead of its class. And that's why I think like the most important tool and probably the reason why you guys are doing this podcast, I genuinely believe one of the most important skill sets you can have in this life is being observant. Mm -hmm. It's being observant with humility. And because if in your position, right, where you're sitting if you're smart enough and humble enough, you can observe a lot around you and make very, very educated decisions, right? I think somebody like Joe Rogan, the amount of people he gets to talk to is a very educated person. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, if you read it, if you meet one person, he's half BS telling you why he feels the way he is because of his confidence, mm-hmm. right? He has to prove something. Versus when you talk to 50 people, you can really draw this common theme. Mm-hmm. And so almost it's feel like that's what you're giving with this podcast is the ability for people to understand EV through an observation perspective yeah. rather than just like, 
hearing it from one person like Tesla and all like, this is what EV is. It's mm-hmm. like, that's what hooked me onto Hypercraft's MO is like, yeah, you guys make a good footprint, like a carbon footprint in the world, but you're about the raw performance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know anybody else thought that way. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So, so that, I mean, I guess we should tie it somehow back to, right. to EVs. I guess but that's kind of what I just did. Like, I'm doing here. So what do we, what do you want the literally tens of viewers watching this podcast to take away from our conversation on two different levels. One, on a personal level, because you had some really great messages on a personal level that are, you know, just related to life and not EV. So in general, what do you want people to take away? And then two, what do you want the, the, the EV takeaway to be for people that are listening? Um, personally, I think I want the takeaway to be more selfishly a, a, a timestamp in life of just recognizing where this crossroad could take me and having something that kind of shows that crossroad. Um, and for people to realize that their personal journey isn't as significant about where you're at, but where you're going and how you got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look back, you're not going to remember as much the hard things or you're not going to trade up a hard moment for a good moment because you remember that or you realize that the hard moments is what gave you those good moments. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I use this selfishly probably as like a timestamp and hopefully seeing that transition of like yeah. all these hard moments taught me how to be this person at this period of time, literally in front of this camera to then present a future opportunity for me that mm-hmm. I can look back and show my kids and me like, look, this is why I felt this way. This mm-hmm. is why I seen this way. And this is hopefully for other people, why you can develop that same mindset. Um, Cause like I'm not right or I'm not wrong. I don't know. <laughs> There's what is truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why we listen to all these podcasts. Yep. And then as far as the EV world, I mean, without a doubt, this type of vehicle that we're developing will be something. But really what we're doing is we're, if you look at like Yamaha Rhino 10 years ago, yeah, people thought it was going to be the utilities machine throwing hay and dirt in the back and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And then now they just won overall in the Silverstone off-road race, which is beating trophy <laughs> trucks and everything like that, right? Like. EV or power sports have gone a long way. What we're doing is developing that from day one. Like we're right at the beginning stages. And so I hope that people can, I plead with people, not just the 10 or 20 or 30 people watching this, but like <laughs> even down the road, right? That they can recognize there's something here. And rather than just being so arrogant towards it and non-observant to shift your perspective and to recognize opportunity when it's in front of you and not be afraid of that change and opportunity. Um, and that's what I think EV is, specifically in the EV performance. Yeah. And who knows, maybe we get to the stage where batteries are so self-sufficient that there really is no charging aspect of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. You're going to tell me that, you know, smartphones thought they were to be able to have 3D scanning capabilities and air tag tracking and social media preferences and like nobody knew. Yeah. And we're at this age. Or that I could type in my browser, you know, write me a five paragraph essay about this and it just does it. Yeah, it's nonsense. And if you think about it, it's like, it was only like 
10 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Like if, if It's really like that's a very short period of time. Yeah. So in five years, because what's it? There's like that. There's like that. Somebody was talking about this, like that inertia effect mm-hmm. to technology advancement. Like, like it only gets faster because, like, as you develop more and more, you're just able to, you know, progress faster and faster. And so I think, like, okay, that was ten years for like social media and and, and that to become a thing in Web 2.0. And so I feel like into like Web 3.0, blockchains, all this stuff. You know, EV is kind of in that same category. I think it's going to be like a five-year mm-hmm. timestamp. I hope so. I really do. Yeah. I mean, what, you guys I, have been around so. two years? I think so. T- yeah. Like how fast two, you've two grown? Years. Yeah, yeah. It's not just because of great leadership. It's because of interest. Yeah. No, and, and that's one thing I was going to say is, you know, I was, I was at SEMA for the first year that Hypercraft went to SEMA. I was there the second year, and I was just here, just there. You, you were there also this, this, what? Third year. A couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, and the... Not just the change for us, for Hypercraft specifically. I mean, we have grown leaps and bounds from that first year. I mean, we were we had a gas-powered Geyser Brothers trophy truck there, and we were we were selling a vision. You know, it wasn't. I've I've called it a dream before because it, it's, but it's not a dream. It was a vision because mm-hmm. everything we were doing was possible. We just hadn't done it yet. Yeah. And so we were selling that vision that first year. By the second year, we had you know more than a proof of concept. We had cars there that worked. And then this year, our footprint was bigger. We had more to show, more to offer, more to talk about, more proof of what we had been you know, envisioning and, and, and promising for such a long time. But almost more importantly, the entire EV industry showed up bigger and better than ever. Totally. So, and you know, uh, Mitchell over at Torque Trends, he's been going to SEMA for years as an EV guy. He's been there since EV wasn't even a thing. You know what I mean? Just... Showing up and grinding and being the pioneer, and now you know it's you know f- 15 years later. I don't know how long he's been going, but it's been a long time. And I see how giant this EV zone at, at uh, uh, SEMA is, and it's just incredible. You know, it's because of people like Mitchell that kept fighting. You know, and Legacy EV—they're all just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're all just growing. And it's because what you're saying is true. You know what I mean? It, this is really exciting stuff. And whether you're converting, you know, a classic car for the convenience of not having to do tune-ups and, you know, clean up oil spills in your garage, or whether you're going electric because of the performance that we've talked about, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, there's so much promise in this industry for so many people, and I think people are really starting to see it. And so you're you're right. Five years from now, it's going to be a totally different story. Right. Totally different story. One, too, like, you know, technology only gets bigger and better mm-hmm. through time, right? So it's like... Who knows where we could end up, right? And, yeah. You know, we might look at combustion engines and be like, all they do is sit in monster truck shows. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I'm not the one to say that. Yeah. And the truth is, I don't think it's worth any breath to have an opinion about it because either way, it's going to happen. So just make sure you're along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. The cha- change happens. Doesn't mean gas is going away forever. No. It's just going to look different. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're EV and gas can live in harmony for. Who knows how long, you know? Totally. So I, I had a guy arguing with me at SEMA why combustion engines is always going to be better than EV. And I was like, great. We had a combustion engine in the Sierra car. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Yeah. It had a lot of problems. It was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to drive it because nobody knew how to work on, work <laughs> on it. And now it's like, okay, guess what? We threw a, a Hypercraft powertrain in it. And now we have 80 people that want it within a month. Yep. 
in over six years, they only sold 30 something. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting perspective, yeah. right? And so it's like, what's yeah. the argument? Yeah. When you said it, like, and, and everyone I've talked to, every customer that we have, it's always, you have to experience it to yeah. understand. Oh my gosh. You really, really do. Well, I was, so. what, two months ago? I was not in this, sh I was not thinking I was ever going to be in this seat. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, and definitely not an EV. And yet here I am promoting and selling and branding an EV vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so when, when can people start riding in that? What, what's, what's the goal for, for Sierra to start getting more people in that vehicle? Right now. Right now? I mean, our biggest thing, my biggest push right now is that what we call Sierra Outposts. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is where I get really excited and where I got hooked on with the brand is that uh, realistically, we should replace any experience, exp any fleet that offers an experience in the whole world because 40% less moving parts, way friendlier maintenance operation costs, right? Um, the car you can base model buy it right now for $40,000 and yet it's the Swiss army knife and doing all five or four track disciplines, right? Mm -hmm. From off-road street to drifting, to karting, um, to rally. And then you can tune it with a push of a button. So it's like when you're talking about like this driving program, like why wouldn't, why would you want any other car, mm -hmm. right? Like people think they want to drive a Porsche. They think they want to drive a Lamborghini, but then they read the fine print in the contract of, hey, if you wreck this car, you are responsible for damages mm -hmm. because we can't afford those damages. Mm -hmm. So you're going to afford it. And so then all of a sudden you drive the car way under its capabilities because you're afraid of wrecking it. Where mm -hmm. it's like you wreck our car, one, you're going to be very safe in it because it's a unibody chassis mm -hmm. and all hand welded. But two, it's like, okay, you did $4,000 in suspension damage. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we can afford that. So, and, and I hate to cut you off, but that's a very specific number, $4,000 in suspension damage. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you, perchance, have some experience <laughs> with uh, breaking a Sierra car? Not a Sierra, well, not, uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. It was my second week with Sierra, and I got way too excited. I was like, I want to drive this thing, and it was not the right conditions, and it was rainy, and uh, wrong tires and everything, and I, I, I understeered it into a curb. Uh -huh. But um, learned quick that uh, the car's way more powerful than I thought it would uh -huh. be, and then learned how to drive it properly after that. But uh, now I, I've, I've yet in my career to roll a car. That's so good. That's good. Yeah. Done a lot of races. Just that was my little So, <laughs> So you, uh, you didn't get the nickname Rolly. What's your nickname? They're calling me Kirby, Kirby at the shop. Kirby. But yeah. my former nickname was Crispy. Crispy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I got burned when I was five. Yeah. So I don't know which name I'm going to rock with, but both sound good to me. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> you've got a variety of options, which is kind of nice. So I guess that's what comes with the, uh, that's, the past. Yeah. There was multiple people that said, oh, you're talking to Chandler, huh? You, uh, you might want to ask him about how he got his nickname Kirby. So, You know what's funny, though, is like, I don't even get embarrassed by that at all. You shouldn't be. No, I love it because it's like, how do you learn how to drive the yeah, car? Yeah. You know, like you've got to figure it out. You've got to push it. And I just, my thing was, it was the wrong time. Yeah. Right before we were supposed to go to an event. Yeah. So, and it was only two weeks in the company. But yeah. I just, 
I want to understand that car so much. Yeah. Well, and like you, like you said, it's not like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you curbed it, and that wasn't great, but it's not the end of the world. Now we know? had it fixed within two hours. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what makes Sierra Car so great, is it really is that toy and that tool that you need to push yourself and to learn and to it have fun. It wasn't, like, mechanically and, heavy. It's just, okay, yeah. use a crescent wrench. Yeah. Untie some bolts, retie them, yeah. you know, and just make sure you don't miss a bolt. Yeah. And And... So, like, when you were asking the question about, um, you said something about, like, the Sierra program. Oh, Sierra. Sierra. Outpost. Outpost, but, yeah. like, why we get where we're going to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we, yeah, oh, yeah, for how do, when, when and how are people going to start being able to experience that, oh, yeah. that EV so like Sierra? So, there's those Outpost programs, and uh, we, truthfully, I think we'll have, within a year, at least a spot. Like within, call it a hundred miles or two hundred miles of anywhere in the states. Cool, you know, and that's pretty significant. Within a year, uh, that's a goal. Yeah, I mean, and and a goal. The goal is to have within a hundred miles of anywhere in the U.S. You can go try a Sierra car. Yeah, okay. hundred to two hundred miles. Because yeah. the truth is, it's the only way you're going to understand it. Yeah. Um, not only is the person owning the Outpost program going to make money by giving experiences, but they're also going to make money off of be- selling the cars. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, too, like, what's even cooler is, like, I used to build custom side-by-sides, right? Like, I know how I want to accessorize a machine, and I felt like the power sports industry came up short in giving all the power to um, these third parties to build aftermarket accessories. Mm. Because the problem with those third parties, they make great product, but they're not good at marketing, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we're trying to do is encourage those people to continue to make good product but to sell it on our platform and let us do the marketing for you. Mm-hmm. Because truth is, somebody is going to develop a better suspension setup than us. Somebody's going to develop a better bumper kit or light kit or street legal kit or wheels and tire setup combination. And we want them to sell it on our platform, not because we want the money from it. We just want to help them get that product out yeah. there because there's a lot of better parts out there than what players can make right now. Mm-hmm. But you kind of don't really know where to go to find them. And yeah. so that gets me excited too because in addition to the aftermarket world, we're also going to sell people the chassis, mm-hmm. just a bare chassis. So it's like, hey, you think it should have a gas engine? And that's where you feel great. Mm-hmm. Here's the chassis. Go build it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, or you can buy the suspension and the wheels and everything just without the motor. And here you go. That's cool. And so it's really just encouraging that like DIYer enthusiasm in everybody. Yeah. So the, those two programs get me very excited. What, do you see like a future for specifically for racing, you know, where there's some kind of a spec series or anything like that? Are you seeing? Of course. I mean, some of the things that you're describing make me think like, oh man, if you've got fleets of these, like you could have, you know, multiple owners out at the track and doing things like that or. Yeah. You know, I mean, you like, get like nitro cross get or racing like experience. Okay. If you want to go race a car right now. Okay. Let's just talk about power sports. If I want to go race a razor right now, I got to buy the machine. I'm probably going to buy a four seat and I'm going to buy, you know, all the premier stuff to save me as much money in the aftermark. So I'm going to be about $35,000, $40,000, right? Yeah. Then I've got to rebuild the whole um, chassis. I've got to make it all one unit welded body, which I could be, you know, let's call it 15000 into that. Jeez. Then, you know, I'm going to upgrade my suspension. Then I'm going to upgrade all my bearings, all my hubs, all this stuff to have a race-ready vehicle. I'm going to be, you know, easily $130,000 deep. Then I want to take that machine racing. Well, now I got to go pay the entry fees. I got to pay the gas to drive it out there. I'm guaranteed to break it. So depending on what I break, 
um, let's call it $4,000 in parts, right? Then I've got to tear down the machine after every race and rebuild it to make sure I don't break in the next race because if I break in the next race, then what's the point of going out there, mm -hmm. right? So I want to do all my preparation. So then I'm another $2,000 in labor in that just in tearing it down. And so it's very, very expensive to race, um, especially in off-road. Whereas like with a Sierra car, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about the motor. I don't have to worry about the batteries. I don't have to worry about the powertrain, anything in that world. So between races, all I'm checking is suspension, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the only thing that really is mechanically um, weak. Yeah. Like on any car. Um, and then to operate the car is a little obsolete because electric motors don't really go bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do from some warranty probably issues, but I'm, it's not from like any driver error really. Mm -hmm. um, so then I don't have to worry about replacing bearings or any of that in an engine and pistons so then I'm, that's a whole nother cost out the window and then i can buy the car at forty thousand dollars and i could very quickly have it race ready so it's like now all of a sudden when you're talking about racing and the opportunity there it's like i think we're going to opening up that industry so much because why in, racing is expensive to me is so silly mm -hmm. because we want to make it feel accessible to everybody but it's only actually accessible to the rich mm -hmm. and that to me is a little bit backwards yeah, because it should be accessible to everybody, but only the real drivers, the real talent, should be able to make it to the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is something I hear from everybody. You know, Scalar Performance, who is one of our customers, they built a, a all electric club sport racing car based on the GR86, and everything you've said is exactly what they've said. So sick of fixing between mm -hmm. you know heats while they're racing and all these kinds of things. So EV fixes that. They want to make it more accessible, you know? So yeah, let's put people in car, a, a, a legitimate race car with a roll cage and everything, all the safety for an affordable price so they can get out there and just go run, you know? Like, and I, I, that's just what I'm hearing constantly is like, when the, for, it, the performance is huge, but the performance that is like regularly and continually usable rather than like, oh yeah, I got a turbo Hayabusa, but I have to, you know, rebuild it or, you know, something every, every two months or it, it People are just tired of that. They want the performance without all the headaches. And so I well, think about this too. You could be a dad and you could have three of your kids and you race the same car. Mm -hmm. And it can fit in different classes because you could just tune the motor to that class. Yeah, dial it back. Yeah. So now I don't have to buy four cars or three cars or two cars. I can buy one that we're all going to race and I could just change the seat in the pedals to fit us. Yeah. And then all you've got to race in the beginner class. Hopefully, you know, as racing gets more advanced in the EV world, we would allow just a map tune mm -hmm. that only lets the car run at 50 horsepower for like kids mm -hmm. or then 100 horsepower, then 200, then 300. Yeah. And maybe that's all we need to go to events between classes. I don't know. That hasn't been defined yet, but that's what I've kind of thought about in racing in the EV world. Yeah. You're right. It really is Mario Kart. 50cc, 100cc, 150cc. Yeah. Because yeah. traditionally it's like, oh, you have to buy the car with the smaller engine and everything like that. Because yeah. suspension... I mean, you can spec it, but at the same time, it doesn't really make that big of a difference if you're, um, I don't know, if their powertrain is tuned down. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. See, those are the questions we don't know. Yeah, and that's what's so exciting is once you kind of start pulling one thread, you're like, oh, well, what if this? Mm -hmm. Oh, and if you did that, you could do this and EV this and, oh, man, you know, and so it's, I mean, the next five years is going to be really exciting, so. Absolutely. I'm stoked for the next five years. I'm stoked for you 
to be part of this and to be doing cool stuff that your kids can get excited about and participate in when they get a little older. Um, and uh, again, I'm super appreciative for your, of your passion, of, of what brought you here and why you're doing what you're doing. I think that's really, really exciting. And uh, it gives me confidence to know that people like you are helping drive these kinds of things you know, without that singular focus on money and the bottom line and, you know, just whatever we have to do to earn money. It's like, let's create experiences and show people what's possible and let's have fun doing it. So, right. And so it's just totally passionate. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm humbled by the opportunity. I'm grateful for people like Jake and Darren giving me that opportunity. Um, and, and truthfully, at the end of the day, I just want to be a part of something that really makes a difference because that's what my dad did and that's what he taught me is possible. Was he changed a lot of lives with what he created and I just want to be able to do the same thing. Um, and maybe this leads into other future opportunities or maybe I end up somewhere completely different. I don't care. Just along for the ride. Yeah. I'm enjoying every minute of it. Cool. So, thank you. I'm going to end it right there because I think that's a great uh, final word. So Chandler, thank you so much for coming and taking the time to just riff with me. You know what I mean? Like I said, this was not the interview that I expected, but it was way better than what I had in mind. So it's been a pleasure to get to know you and you're the reason why you do what you do, your past uh, and what you see as the future. So I'm super stoked that you're here uh, working with Sierra car and uh, I'm excited to see where, where things go in the next five years. So thanks brother. We'll check in in five years for the next episode. I'm stoked for it too. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. See ya.